You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, including the brand new podcasting app, Himalaya. And when you get into your car, tell your smart device to play Podcast Locked On Pelicans. I'm your host, credential member of the media, Pelicans insider and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all a day after the Pelicans hurt their tanking and lottery chances a little bit with a victory over the Sacramento Kings. Despite that maybe not bright spot of winning, there were a couple of other bright spots that I will look at in this game as we recap it. Then we're going to quickly run down the tanking standings, the inverse standings, if you will, for that lottery pick, where the Pelicans stand, what they have coming up, so that we can kind of see everything as they kind of march towards the end of the regular season. So let's hit it in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thursday night, it was a 121-118 win for your New Orleans Pelicans, basically kind of getting out to a lead and not really relinquishing it until midway through the fourth quarter, where then Julius Randle went off, scoring the majority of the team's final points en route to the victory. New Orleans played their style of ball in this one and played particularly well. Only 12 turnovers on the night compared to where did their assist numbers go? 27 assists. That's a good ratio, something you haven't really seen from this Pelicans team recently, but not just making those small mental mistakes can lead to a lot of good for the team. That also got them 74 points in the paint compared to just 64 for the Sacramento Kings. That inside-out style ball is going to make it where it's it's okay to only hit nine three-pointers in the game. No Anthony Davis in this one, no Drew Holiday, no Frank Jackson who's out with a concussion. We'll see when he comes back. Um, So none of the main guys kind of playing in the lineup right now. You also saw a couple other injuries here in this one with Kenrich Holmes having to leave the game, but he came back. Then you had Darius Miller who played in the first half, didn't really play at all in the second half as he was out with an injury. So we knew this team was going to be thin. You saw some heavy minutes go to a guy like Ian Clark and a couple of others. And despite all of that, despite how thin this team was, and they played five forwards on the court at one period of time, there was no Solomon Hill, which tells you how far he has fallen. Also, side note to all of that, if he can't even get minutes on this part of the season right now, Danny Ferry was in the room when that deal got done. Makes you a little bit worried about that. Anyway, big man of the night here was going to be Julius Randle, starting 34 points on the night, 10 rebounds, 3 assists, only 3 turnovers for turnovers for him, which is pretty good. He was 3 of 5 from deep. He was 12 of 24 from the field overall, and he hit all 7 of his free throws. In fact, everyone hit all of their free throws, as the Pelicans were 14 of 14 from the line. He was doing work inside late in this game. When it seemed that the outcome might be in doubt, he took the ball down low, and he tried to score with a variety of lower post moves. It was nice to see. This is a good, efficient game from him. You know, his defense does leave some to be desired, 
But overall, he's making a strong claim now that he's getting 30-plus minutes per season to either remain here with the Pelicans next year or to get a big-money contract elsewhere and not remain a Pelican as it might be. Jalil Okafor got a bit, a bit of a boost in minutes in this one, almost 21.5, 12 points, 9 rebounds, just good night for him. Ian Clark in 32 minutes of action, 2 of 11 from the field. That's under 20%, and just 6 total points. The least those two shots he made were threes. Alfred Payton off to a slow start, finished with 16 points, nine assists, four rebounds on the night. I mean, there's only so much he can do with kind of the level of talent around him. So it's not quite those triple-double numbers, and the scoring numbers haven't been particularly amazing or eye-popping all year, but he's largely been efficient, though that's 16 points on 14 shots, not doing the best job of getting to the rim in this one. The story of the game is probably Christian Wood for the second straight game posting a career high in points. 25 points, 9 rebounds on the night. He also chipped in with 3 steals. I forgot to mention in the game on Tuesday, he had 6 blocks against the Atlanta Hawks. Pretty cool to see this guy who couldn't get or crack the rotation over in Minnesota, or not Minnesota, Minneapolis, over the Bucks, Milwaukee, there we go, an M, that he is getting a chance to shine with extended minutes here. A little bit older, having been undrafted and having spent the majority of time in the G League and not really able to get into the NBA, but he's making the most of the minutes here. And, you know, there's, there's the saying of be careful of meaningless minutes in March and April, and that's what these are. But you know what? I, I, again, I think it's summer league where, okay, cool, you're not crappy. That's a good sign. That probably means you're a rotation player. Does it mean you're a starter? No. Does it mean you should be the sixth man off the bench You know, with 25 points in late March? No. But it means you probably should be in training camp and on the opening day roster, and you have to figure that that's what's going to happen with Christian Wood. 25 points on 16 shots in this one, 3-3 three, three from the line, two offensive boards too. He's just played well and there's the, that's all there is to it it's just been two games just two so you got to kind of keep that in mind but overall yeah that could work and you've got to be pretty excited about what he's showing to give you just I don't know some excitement late in the season here for the Kings former Pelican buddy healed had a team high 27 points on the night he was one of eight from deep though the Kings did shoot over 43 percent from deep on 23 attempts, but a heel took eight of them, couldn't really make them. It was everyone else kind of doing the damage there. De'Aaron Fox, 25 points, 12 assists. He's been excellent this year for him, but it just wasn't enough. And though they rallied a little bit late in this game, just couldn't kind of get over the hump. And the Pelicans more or less just played smart, efficient basketball, and it got him the victory. So before we look at the upcoming schedule and the tanking standings and the odds and give you just a lottery update overall, remember to get the show every day. Subscribe to the Locked On Pelicans podcast on the new Himalaya podcast app. There are so many podcasts out there. You need some help figuring out what to listen to, what's worthwhile. There's a million things that cover true crime, a million things that cover D&D, which are the good ones to listen to. And Himalaya creates personally curated playlists to help you with all of that. They also add in new features almost daily just to make it even easier to use, help you find the content in the podcast that you want to listen to. Download the Himalaya at your uh, app at your app store and subscribe to the Locked On Pelicans podcast. So the Pelicans win last night puts them in the ninth spot in the tanking standings uh, right ahead of the Lakers. They play on Sunday, which is more or less going to probably determine who finishes nine, who finishes 10 this year. And the Pelicans are now two and eight in their last 
10 games. So that looks overall good for that. Right now, being in the nine spot, they've got a 20.3% chance at a top four pick. They've also got a 4.5% chance at the number one overall. It's going to be tough to really move from that 8, 9, 10 spot. 6 and 7 are probably going to kind of be out of the Pelicans' hands at this point. It may depend on how many more games Anthony Davis plays. And it doesn't look like Julius Randle is going to be shut down anytime soon as he's not injured and he's got a lot to play for himself. And that might win them a game or two because he's out to kind of prove a point. And we saw it again last night against the Kings with 34 points on just 20-something shot attempts. So this could be tough to move from where they are you'd like to see them move a little bit maybe get up to eight or seven which respect um respectively have a 26.3 percent chance at top four and then it jumps to 32 percent chance for the seventh overall pick that would be a good thing to at least get one of those kind of top guys but as i've said this is a pretty deep draft in that middle part. All the guys kind of are the same. The guy, you know, you might get at 10 isn't going to be much different from the guy you could get at five or at four, potentially. They should be quality players. They're available. Um, they're not the top guys there. But overall, this middle part of the lottery is largely kind of the same caliber of guys. So I don't think it's the end of the world if you don't move up. And, you know, if you don't move into the top four, like that is what it is. You can't really be kind of banking on that and expecting that. And if you're planning around that, I think that's a bit of an issue. If it happens, great. That's awesome. Let's be thrilled. Zion, Ja, RJ Barrett, some of these other guys certainly would be pretty great. Cam Reddish, Jarrett Culver, those I think are the top five in some order. But if it doesn't, they're still pretty quality players between 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, maybe 11 and 12 as well. Then maybe it gets a little bit thinner. So we'll take a quick look in a moment here. We're going quickly through everything in the podcast today about what the remaining strength of schedule looks like for the Pelicans. Where does that kind of relate to the other teams around there? I'm going to give you a bit of a spoiler. It's not necessarily going to be the easiest thing. But before we get there, this is an interesting end to the regular season. There's some big games coming up. And the best way to recap it all and know what's going on with all the playoff races is the Locked On NBA podcast. Monday through Friday, five days a week. Get your fix of everything going on around the association and everything you need to know. And of course, I'm on there every Wednesday co-hosting with John Corrales of the Locked On Celtics. We haven't made a trade for Anthony Davis there yet. So make sure you listen and subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast. So the upcoming schedule and how it might fare for the Pelicans draft odds. So solidly in that ninth spot, not solidly, just there by themselves, I should say. So what's it look like over the remaining five games? And if you're hoping for them to lose a lot more than win, there's a chance, but it's not necessarily going to be the easiest. Tankathon.com has them with the 22nd easiest strength of schedule. So in the bottom 10 there, not a particularly tough slate of games yet to come for this remaining team. They've got five games left, which is also fewer than a number of the other teams in there, so they might have a rest advantage slightly in some of these. Of the five games, the toughest one, obviously, is going to be the final game of the regular season on April 9th against the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, that's a little bit difficult, but until then, they've got the Lakers on Sunday, the Charlotte Hornets on Wednesday, the, then they're at the Phoenix Suns Friday, and then at the Sacramento Kings on Sunday. So there's rest in there. There's no back-to-backs. This is at least a day or two between every single game. Okay, now the Hornets are kind of playing themselves a little bit into playoff contention. They have an outside chance at the eight seed. They've got to jump 
um, a team like Orlando and Miami to get in there. So it's a little bit harder than it would be, but they're certainly going to be playing until they're mathematically eliminated. Um, I don't know if the Sacramento Kings are mathematically eliminated just yet, but it's basically on the verge of it. So they're likely not going to have much to play for by the time these two teams play. The Phoenix Suns are bad, despite Devin Booker putting up 50-plus points in multiple games. They can't seem to get a win. So you think maybe the Lakers game's a toss-up. You probably lose to the Charlotte Hornets. You probably beat the Phoenix. Uh, and then you're going to split the ones between the Suns and the Kings. You'll win one of those. You'll likely lose one of those. And then you lose to the Warriors. So basically, that's something like either 3-2 and two or 2-3, two and three, not the 1-4 and four or 0-5 oh that you'd like to see. Compared to some of the teams that they're right around in the standings in terms of trying to finish with a worse record, basically of all of those teams grouped up, they've got the easiest strength of schedule remaining. Dallas is a little bit tougher than they are. Um, a team like the Lakers has the fifth toughest schedule. They've still got the Golden State Warriors, the Portland Trailblazers, the Utah Jazz, the Clippers, and the Thunder remaining. They're probably going to lose all five of those. And then they've got the Pelicans and the Hornets left. So they're looking at something like two and seven over their, or sorry, two and five over their remaining games. It's not exactly ideal for what it looks like in the standing. So I think that's going to create a bit of a problem. The Wizards are a little bit tougher than the Pelicans. They still got the Nuggets, the Jazz, the Celtics, the Spurs. That's not necessarily an easy slate. They have six games left, and then they're probably going to beat the Knicks and the Bulls. So they go two and four. It's just likely not that it's going to happen that anything really changes for the Pelicans in these standings based on the remaining strength of schedule. You know, this would have been great if they were in playoff contention because right now it would look pretty good to getting in there. Unfortunately, not going to be the case. So I think this is where you kind of are going to see the Pelicans finish up, probably in that nine spot, having an outside chance at the top four and no realistic path to getting necessarily the number one overall pick. But you never know what happens in the lottery, and we've seen some crazier things occur. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the show on the new Himalaya podcast app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Whenever you get into your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. Enjoy the game this weekend, and I'll be back with you all on Monday.